This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today is a beautiful day. NBA basketball is on television. Opening day for baseball on July 23rd, 2020. Not a thing I was envisioning saying <laughs> uh, way back a few months ago, but nevertheless, it's great to have sports back on TV. And it's good to be back for another edition of the Swarmcast. David Eichel here with HawkeyeInsider.com, part of that powerful 24-7 sports network. Appreciate all of you for taking some time out of their busy day. Uh, come hang out with me for a little bit. Uh, it's just myself. Uh, for this episode, Sean Bach is actually in Omaha in the surrounding area doing some uh, scouting and VIP work uh, for our 24-7 Sports Hawkeye Insider VIP members. Speaking of which, until the end of tonight, July 23rd, 2020, we have 50% off a subscri- an annual subscription to HawkeyeInsider.com for $4.48 a month. Get access to over 200 Hawkeye-related articles all the latest VIP information, basketball, football, recruiting, and interact on our message board with our outstanding community. So be sure you take advantage of that 50% off HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 sports. Again, thanks everybody for tuning in. I know it's been a very crazy last six, seven weeks uh, in regards to Iowa Relay news with the, obviously the the racial allegations, which led to longtime Iowa strength conditioning coach Chris Doyle to be relieved of his duties. And right now, Hush Blackwell, a law, a law firm in Kansas City, is conducting conducting an independent investigation right now, which should be wrapped up here sometime in the next couple of weeks. With that being said, we're in wait-and-see mode as far as what's going to happen, if there's going to be a more um, separation agreements, if there's going to be recommendations for firing or what the result of the investigation is. So, you know, we're just in wait and see mode. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of people believe that we're as a media and as if, you know, as a quote unquote fan base, uh, that people are just entirely focusing on the obviously incredibly important. I don't want to, you know, I want my words to be misconstrued here. The very important allegations going on in and what I was trying to do to fix it. With that being said, I think that it would do a lot of good for for people if we took some time and did focus on the actual uh, sport aspect of you know college athletics. Again, we uh, as a media and as I know you guys as readers, we've been doing a lot of work on what's been going on within the Iowa football program, as has the rest of the country, as far as you know what what we're going through as a country. So I think this episode I really want to just dedicate to what's going on as far as development, as far as players, is Luca Garza coming back, who might step up next season for football, et cetera, et cetera. If there are a few questions in our mailbag that ask as you know, related to stuff that uh as far as the investigation goes and everything, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll dive right into it. But as far as me planning out a segment to be able to talk about that, no. I I don't want to say I don't find it appropriate because it's always appropriate, but I think it's important that 
you know, we, we balance it out because at some point, the same talking points, it's going to go in one year out the other for a lot of people. So you got to be able to mix it up because I believe that's how a message resonates more with people. It's not the same talking points. It's about who's saying it. When are they saying it? It's got to be the stars have to be aligned and it may be uncomfortable, but that does not mean it's not going to have an impact. But again, Hawkeye Insider, I feel has done a great job of keeping track of all these allegations and everything along the way. We've probably produced, if you know, within the first three days on starting on June fifth, when the first allegations came out, I believe twenty four seven Sports Hawkeye Insider had over twenty articles uh, with a bunch of stuff recapping it. We've recapped press conferences. We've talked about more players coming forward. We've done a lot of extensive work about it. And again, it's not to diminish the value of what's going on at Iowa. But again, I feel like it's very important that eventually we have to start talking about the game itself because meaningful change is starting to take place at Iowa. But again, there's only so much that we can do until the actual report comes out because the university is not going to comment on it because they don't want to just, you know, they don't want to disrupt the investigation of what's going on. Again, I believe that's going to be a couple weeks away before, um, before it's actually concluded, but I do feel like they are on the home stretch of getting that done. So with that being said, I just have a quick little show for you, but I, I think it's necessary. Obviously, number one story outside of what's going on with the University of Iowa football program and everything, I believe it's what's going to happen with Luca Garza. And my part two of my Chronicles of Luca Garza will be coming out tomorrow, uh, I believe at 5.55 Central Time, Friday afternoon. Is going to recap Luca's freshman year, preseason, what his thoughts were after the season, and kind of some stuff that went on behind the scenes during the season. So, again, I'm very excited to have you all read that. So, go to hawkeyeinsider.com for that. So, let's dive into what the kind of latest word is right now. As it stands, I do believe that it's a truly a 50 50 decision for what Luca Garza is going to do. Uh, as in regards to if he's going to start his professional career or return to the University of Iowa for his senior year. You know, I did have Frank Garza on the podcast, and he did mention that Luca has not been sleeping well. He's been really debating on what he's going to do. He does firmly believe that Iowa can be a national championship caliber team next year. But there are a lot of things, I think, in play here that go deeper than the surface level. One, there are European deals on the table right now for Luca, and those are guaranteed deals. I mean, you're talking six, even a seven-figure contract on the table. He'd go, and I, I believe he'd, his game fits great in, into Europe. I think he'd be able to lead a team in the, pretty deep in the playoffs, and they'd be a top contender because Luca has that type of potential. Again, I think I think he's an NBA player eventually, but in Europe, I do squarely, I do believe that he would he would dominate and be one of the better players uh, in the entire league. But I think it's important to take a step back here. I think that Luca does have potential to be on NBA roster next year. And like Frank Garza said, this is not going to be a decision, decision that's motivated by money, but that does not mean it won't be a factor. A guaranteed payday goes a long way, especially in today's world and with the uncertainty of sports. I mean, I, I do believe that in the European deal, I think that even if that season got canceled, that Luca would still be entitled to some compensation. He's not going to have that compensation if he comes back to the University of Iowa and there isn't a college basketball season. And just for the record, I do believe there will be a college basketball season. I just can't, in my mind, unless things get much, much, much worse, 
I have a hard time believing they're going to cancel March Madness again. Those big-time revenue things, it's just hard to convince me that's going to happen. Obviously, this year it had to with everything going on, all the uncertainty, the unpredictability of the virus, how much had actually spread. I mean, all the questions were on the table, right? Sports society shut down basically overnight, you know, starting with the conference tournaments after uh, Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz tested positive uh, for the coronavirus. So, again, let's take a step back here. Luca is aware of the type of team Iowa has, especially if he comes back. That offense, I do believe, would be one of the top three offenses in college basketball over the last decade. I, I mean that, too. You look at Joe Wieskamp, I think, is primed for a first or second team all-Big Ten caliber season. C.J. Frederick. Over 10 points a game, 46% from three-point range. He's a shooter at will, and I, I think he'd be in for a big-time year, especially if he can stay healthy. Jordan Bohannon is going to be fully healthy for the first time since his true freshman year, and he already owns the Iowa all-time three-point record and has a shot the Big Ten all-time three-point record. And he did that without being healthy. I mean, he played through plantar fasciitis his sophomore year and his last two seasons, granted won only 10 games, with major hip surgeries, major hip injuries that eventually led to surgery, right? Then you got Luca Garza in the middle, and then you got Connor McCaffrey, who I thought gained a lot of people's respect last season. I think he was very much undervalued his true freshman year. There were some flaws in his game. I think he proved himself a lot, and I think that he did become one of the more valuable. And even I'll go as far as to say beloved players on the team, 34% from three-point range. Not great, but a huge improvement from the previous season. You can't really leave him open. If he makes another big step, can get up to 38 39%, that's going to go a long way for the offense. Especially when, you, again, you got Wieskamp, Bohannon, Frederick on the perimeter as well. Then you have Luca Garza in the middle, assuming he comes back. And Garza... You know, Fran McCaffrey did tell CBS Sports Insider John Rothstein that Garza can shoot 40% from three next season. That is a scary sight. And I think if people have been watching Frank Garza's Twitter feed and have seen videos of the workouts that Luca's been doing from three, I 100% believe Luca could pull up from 30 feet and, and, you know, go 40%. Again, we get all that. But the uncertainty of the college basketball season. It really is an impossible decision for Luca that he has to make because if there was a guaranteed season, I believe that he would have already decided that he would return to Iowa for another season. But again, if he comes back to Iowa and there's no basketball season, he misses out on a year's pay, which granted people might scoff at, but the NBA minimum, you're talking over $700,000 in a European contract, the type of one that Luca could probably land. He's given up potential seven figures to come back and try to give Fran McCaffrey, his teammates, and the fan base a national championship. That's a big deal. That's nothing, again, I believe that's nothing to scoff at. On top of that, the injury risk. If Luka, you know, God forbid, goes down with an injury, like any player, God forbid, you know, you never want anybody to get injured. You know, who knows how much that could derail his career. And with that being said, that's him assuming more risk. And I think, you know, I think people can make the argument that Luca's already risked a lot to play for the University of Iowa. Again, I you go back to his sophomore year, before the sophomore year. He went through his extensive, and I'm going to document all of this in my Chronicles of Luca Garza again. Be on the lookout for that. Part 2 coming Friday afternoon, Part 3, hopefully around Tuesday, if not to Wednesday at the latest. Luca had to get an 11-pound sister moved. It had 9.5 pounds of fluid. 
he came back two months after surgery and started. That that it still boggles my mind how somebody could do that. That is insanely difficult. Not even just the fact that you're two months out of surgery. Do you realize what kind of shape you have to be in pre-surgery to even think about coming back and playing high-level Division One basketball in two months? That's a huge risk. He played his entire freshman year with that fluid, with that cyst building up in his body. That's a lot of risk. I mean, that is a lot of risk. And Luca has gone on the record and said that you know, if one wrong elbow, that if that cyst burst, I mean, you're talking about all that fluid getting in his, in his body. And who knows, you know, God forbid, again, who knows what could have happened. Luca has already risked a lot to play for the University of Iowa. And again, I don't think that's going to play a major factor as far as that goes. But I think it's something that the fans should keep in mind and not, you know, let that slip by as they try to, you know, in their own minds, what's he going to do? Why would he do this? Why would he do that? I think that needs to be taken into accountability. Um, so again, I think it's truly a 50, 50 decision. And if I had, if I, I, I couldn't even tell you if I had to take a guess about what he's going to do. And again, if I had to, cause I think it's truly 50, 50, you know, I, I, I can't even, I can't even say, I think there's a lot of pros both ways. There's a lot of cons. And Luca is a very heart-centered kid. So I think to either, whatever decision he's going to make, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult because I think he believes he's ready to play at the next level. But the thought of coming back to Iowa and doing something that has never been done, I think definitely is going to play a role in what he ultimately decides. His decision, his father, Frank Garza, told Hawkeye Insider and 24-7 Sports, will be announced on August 2nd. So stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest and all the content following Luca's decision. We're going to take a quick time out here, and when we come back, I'll answer your questions in this week's edition of the Hawkeye Insider Mailbag. Stay tuned. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to the Swarmcast. David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports. Let's dive right in uh, to this week's edition of the Mailbag. Let's start off right at the very top here. Who will become Iowa's identity on defense? Each year we have a player on defense that just seems to set the tone for that side of the ball in the game at large. Examples, Bob Sanders, Matt Roth, Chad Greenway, Josie Jewell, and A.J. Epinesa. Who is next? That's a very interesting question. I think that this year, maybe more than any other year, there's really that lack of star power. And that's not uh, a shot against Iowa's defense. I think there are a lot of players. I think there are a lot of solid players. There's guys that could step up. I'll say this. I think the first guy that pops my mind, it has to be Chauncey Golson. I've really, I've picked Chauncey Golson, I think, for the last uh, three years to really break out. And I think this is the year he's really going to put it all together. Six foot five, 272 pounds, redshirt senior. 
very versatile guy. He's been he's played inside and out, but I think he's going to be purely an edge guy this year. I think the big knock against Golston uh, this past season was just his inability to finish sacks. I think he did pretty well, you know, blitzing the quarterback, uh, getting pressure on the quarterback. Excuse me. I think he did a good job sealing the edge. I still think he can get caught at times and let guys get past him that first level. Finished with three sacks last season, but did have nine and a half tackles for loss and 47 tackles altogether, which was 12 more than his entire redshirt sophomore season. Again, six foot five, 272 pounds, long arms. He's had an interception each of the past two seasons. He had three fumble recoveries the previous year, uh, had five pass breakups this past season. I think Iowa's going to need to find a dude on the defensive line just to absolutely take over. I think Jack Heflin, I think Davion Nixon are going to be solid contributors. I'm interested to see if Davion Nixon will be able to take that next step in his development because I think he has all the tools to be a potential all-Big Ten caliber defensive tackle. Is that going to happen this next season? I don't really want to go out on a limb and say yes. I still think there are some things he needs to work on. But if he can consistently get pressure on the quarterback, consistently get double, uh, you know, draw double teams, and I think ultimately just play more plays, you know, have the stamina to be able to be an every down type of defensive tackle. I think that'll go a long way there. So I think Chauncey Golston is going to be the first guy I'm going to look out for. I think a second guy, I really think Jimon Colbert has potential to be just a really good linebacker for Iowa. I've, you know, I've always been a fan of him. He was one of my favorite recruits actually coming out, uh, of his recruiting class, but I mean, that was before the move to linebacker happened. I really liked his film as a safety. I think he lacked top end speed, which is ultimately why he is a linebacker. It's interesting too, because I feel like, you know, his coverage skills are, are okay. I think he's kind of lost that, that knack they had uh, when he was in high school uh, at that safety spot. But I think he's a good run stopper. I think he's a reliable tackler. And another thing that I think to keep in mind too is Jimon Colbert played with an injured shoulder all last season. You know, it was frustrating for him. He said this last press conference they had to go through that, but he said he feels 100% now. I think he's going to be another guy that could potentially uh, break out because, again, I think that he he has the skill set, and I think ultimately Iowa is going to need a linebacker to break out. Six foot one, 235 pounds last year, finished with two and a half. Uh, tackles for loss and ended with 61 tackles altogether. Uh, did have an interception as well, but I think he's going to need to emerge as a big time playmaker. I think another guy, as far as you know, that could potentially break out, I think you have to look at Matt Hankins. I think uh, his experience is going to play a big role. The ones he has at cornerback ended with 58 tack- uh, tackles last season, had a pair of interceptions as well. Also broke up seven passes. I think that Iowa usually has a player in the secondary that steps up and not carries the secondary, but does a really good job of leading the way. I think Geno Stone was the guy last year. I mean, keep in mind, there was a couple of games last season where four of Iowa's top six defensive backs were were injured, but Iowa really did not miss a beat. I think Geno Stone did a tremendous job. And then, you know, before they had Josh Jackson, they had Desmond King. I think Matt Hankins is going to be a guy that people will want to keep an eye on because I think he's a tremendous run stopper. I think he's a reliable tackler. I think he needs to, I don't want to say stay Fillmore. I think he needs to come away with a few more turnovers. But I mean, again, I like his skill set. I think he, he plays physical. He plays hard. He understands the defense. And I think that he can, you know, step up and be a reliable 
not lockdown corner, but I think he can you know be a third team guy. I think he can lead the team in interceptions. I think the potential is there uh, for Matt Hankins. Next question: Best guesses on who or how many end up in Iowa's 2021 basketball class? Most confident in landing which prospects from the 2022 class for basketball? Yeah, I'll start right off the very top. I think that the top two options right now, and I think Iowa will only take two in the 2021 class. I think number one target on the board is Peyton Sanford out of Waukee Senior. A great 3-and-D guy, six foot eight. Our own Sean Bach has covered him extensively. Holds offers from Utah, Minnesota, Iowa, and Drake. And last night added a very prestigious offer from the University of Stanford. Great, great student as well. Uh, and I think that's going to play a decent role. I think Iowa's made it known that Peyton is the number one prospect on their board. I think that he fits into a C.J. Frederick, Joe Wieskamp type role. Shot 47% from three in this past season. Uh, again, nice athlete. Grew another two inches this offseason. And he's as a pure jumper. And, you know, Iowa loves to get those guys that can splash down the three-pointers. And Peyton's going to fit that mold. I think number two, I think you're going to look at uh, Trey James, six foot ten center, who was previously committed uh, to Wake Forest, but six foot ten, two hundred twenty pounds, tremendous defender, good shot blocker. His offensive game is still kind of in the works. Not the best athlete in the world, but again, I think the defense is absolutely huge, and I think you, again, it's a guy that fits into Iowa system well. I really like where Iowa stands with him. If I had to take my best guess as how Iowa's 2021 class ends up. I do think that Iowa, at this at this point, I think Iowa lands Trey James. I think they land Peyton Sanford as well. Uh, but again, I think the Stanford offer is going to be a pretty big one for Peyton and his family to decide because, again, the academic portion, not just the basketball. A degree from Stanford is uh, an incredible accomplishment. And as far as the 2022 class goes, the only one I'm really comfortable with saying I think that Iowa has a tremendous shot with is 2022 center from Albany, New York, Riley Mulvey. Uh, number 231 right now in the 24-7 sports rankings. High upside guy. Uh, RA holds an Iowa offer. And does have a – has known Fran McCaffrey for a long time. I believe Fran's son Connor, also point guard slash point forward for the Iowa basketball team, played baseball with – one of Riley's older brothers. So there's that connection there. Riley is a good shot blocker, improving offensive game, expanding his range, and relationships play a huge part uh, in that recruitment. And Fran, again, Fran's really offered early. They've done a good job of staying on him and consistently preaching the message and how he would fit into the, the Hawkeye system under Fran. So I really do like where Iowa sits in that recruitment as well. And I do believe there are a few other guys that Iowa has not offered in 2022 that, you know, that will eventually pop up as it does every recruiting cycle that Iowa will be able to land. So I think that not, not the best is yet to come, but I think Iowa future Iowa players have yet to come as far as one, you know, evaluation uh, is allowed again uh, and more uh, prospects kind of emerge from the bunch post COVID or hopefully post COVID whenever that is. So, Give some comparisons for the 2021 football guys. That's a very interesting question. Uh, I think you, you got to start off right at the very top. David Davidkoff is kind of the quote-unquote crown jewel of this Iowa 2021 class. Offensive tackle, six foot six, 295 pounds. 
Same comparison that I'm about to give is what's listed on the website because I think it's a perfect fit. Former Iowa offensive tackle Brandon Scherf. I think that David Davidkoff is going to be a star at the collegiate level. I think he's a future first or second, maybe maybe early third-round draft pick. I think he can be the second offensive tackle in the Kirk Ferentz era to walk in and start at offensive tackle. I just think that the upside's there. Great size, great strength, second-level blocker, guy that is not satisfied with one pancake. He likes to go back to the IHOP buffet, get two, three pancakes in the same play. Again, I, I love his film, one of my favorite prospects in Iowa's committed 2021 class. And, you know, keep going down the list. I'm just going off the top of my head here. I really like uh, Cooper DeGene, the Bell Creek Ida Grove from Ida Grove, Iowa safety, top 247 guy. That's a really difficult comparison to me, but I- I'm going to describe him a little bit. I think just the four-sport a- athlete, great, ath- you know, great athleticism, plays a bunch of different positions in football, really understands both sides of the ball. I think he can walk in. I think he's going to make a, a huge impact fairly early in his Iowa career. I think he's going to be a future all-Big Ten caliber type of guy and a guy that I think goes in the later rounds of the NFL draft whenever he uh, does go that way. You know, I'll go off the top of my head here too. I think, you know, another guy I really like, and I'm not sure this is the best comparison in the world, but it's the first one that popped in my head. Let's go down to Keegan Johnson, the Bellevue West from Bellevue, Nebraska, wide receiver, currently committed to the Hawkeye, six foot one, one hundred I believe he's about 190 pounds now. He uh he's gained ten pounds of muscle in the offseason. I think he's one of Iowa's most complete wide receiver recruits that they've had. I think he can be a guy that can walk in as a true freshman and make an impact because He's extremely physical. He's a downfield guy. I think he, he he's a decent blocker, very versatile, can play multiple positions. The first guy that pops in my head, I think he's a, a more polished Tavon Smith. And I think Tavon Smith turned out to be a pretty, a pretty decent wide receiver for Iowa, made a couple big plays. I think the play people most remember him for is the, you know, the 2015 Big Ten uh, Championship, the first play of the fourth quarter when C.J. Beathard him downfield. But look, I really like Keegan's potential. I think he's going to be a four-star guy when the rankings are all set in stone. I think he's a downfield guy. I think he's an over-the-middle guy. I think he can turn into a good blocker, and I think he's got the physicality and skill set to really make an impact in Iowa's offense. So I'd look out for that. But those are just kind of a couple of guys that really kind of pop in my head when thinking about that. Uh, let's, Let's move on to the next one. Who will be Iowa's next football commit, and is Iowa willing to let an athlete compete in two sports, like football and basketball? Yeah, that's a good question. I think right now Iowa's next commit, if I had to take a guess, it's going to be uh, center Michael Mislinski from Florida. Uh, Iowa's been all over him. I think he's one, probably the most important recruit left on Iowa's board at this point because Iowa's offensive line class for 2021 is you know it's outstanding i think tim Paulsek's one of the happiest strength the happiest offensive lineman coaches in the country i think with bo stevens with david david Koff, uh you know and the guys that they do have in the room i think that you know jang's dunker is another guy that i think has a big upside i think that in connor colby obviously i think that they're all really good players who could potentially see you know, major time during their career, but Michael Mislinski's skill set is different. He's a very much Tyler Linderbaum esque. And keep in mind too, T- 
Tyler Linder, this might be the last season for Tyler Linderbaum. I've seen him pop up on some NFL draft boards. He's already one of the most talked about centers in the country. I love his skill set, and I think a lot of people see that too, and they're really starting to do their homework on Tyler. And not that Michael would step in as a true freshman start. I think that's way too big of an ask. But if they can find a guy to fill in for 2021, develop Mislinski a bit, and kind of prepare him for that role, I think he's a guy who can be a multi-year star at center for Iowa. I like where Iowa sits. I think Michigan State's another school. I think Maryland's another school. And there are plenty of other suitors uh, for Mislinski, but I do like where Iowa sits right now. And at this point, I think Iowa has a really good shot at landing Michael. And as far as Iowa, you know, an Iowa football player playing basketball and football, I, I, I really don't think that's possible. Uh, unless it's a special, special talent, maybe like a four or five star guy. But I think Kirk Ferentz and Fran McCaffrey are both kind of in agreement that they want players to exclusively focus on their sport. I think if you're talking about, you know, a Brody Brecht type, 2021 wide receiver Brody Brecht, outstanding baseball player as well. I think he'll be able to play for Rick Heller for the baseball program as well as Kirk Ferentz. But as far as football and basketball goes, I really think that's a really tall ask. But again, I think it depends on the type of caliber of athlete that you're talking about. So moving on to our last question from our message board, and I'll take the Twitter for the few, a few Twitter questions before we kind of wrap this whole thing up. Uh, is anyone from last year's recruiting class poised to make a big jump that didn't get any playing time at all last year? Yeah, I think there's a running back uh, from North Gwinnett that was a really outstanding guy. I think his name was Tyler Goodson. No, okay, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh Look, I think the first guy that pops my mind, and I don't know how much preseason hype he's going to get. I think there are more obvious choices here. I'm going to go with Justin Jacobs because I think that his ceiling and what he can be for Iowa, I think he can be great. He's put on, I believe he's up to 225, 230 pounds now. Six foot three, long, fast, strong, was an All-American in high school. Ohio State wanted him bad, but Iowa you know, kept him as a Hawkeye down the stretch of recruiting. I love his skill set. Great blitzer, you know, great blitz kind of guy. I think his coverage skills need some work, but he takes outstanding ankle uh, angles, and I think he is a good tackler. Uh, so I'm interested to see what he can do. And keep in mind, he, he was an early enrollee in that recruiting class, but he had to have uh, shoulder surgery. That really kept him out for most of spring, and I think that cost him uh, a shot at really some playing time. I think he's a guy that can see some time. You know, I, you know, I think another guy to keep in mind too uh, is Logan Lee. Logan Lee was recruited as a tight end originally, six foot five, two hundred forty pounds. But look, he is not that anymore. They moved him over to defensive tackle. He's been routinely praised by teammates, by coaches, uh, just for you know, I, I would say his, his willingness to be able to make that switch. Uh, and a guy, you know, he's up two hundred seventy pounds now, and he was an outstanding, outstanding defensive lineman. Uh, during his high school career, holds the school record for career sacks at 35. Um, you know, he's, a, he's an outstanding wrestler as well, which Iowa, you know, Iowa coaches love to see from their linemen. And again, he's all about the team. And I think that, I think with Jack Heflin coming in, I think that's an absolutely huge addition to the team. I think that it gives Logan another year to really get polished. But with that being said, I think he can push for some playing time. Uh, in addition to, you know, Schulte, in addition to Heflin, uh, Nixon and Noah Shannon as well. 
So I think those are probably my top two picks. Another guy that I think people might want to keep an eye on, I think there's three people. I think that safety Sebastian Castro would be an excellent potential cash position guy. Uh, I really liked his film coming out of high school. Hard-hitting kid, but very smart football player. Uh, I, I really was hoping to see him during spring ball to see what kind of strides he made. I think Josiah Miaman uh, was now you know, a really solid tight end who was recruited by Wisconsin and a couple other big schools. I've heard he's a great athlete. I think he's a guy that can push for maybe that maybe that third tight end spot as well. And I think the final guy you'll, you might want to keep an eye on, I I think that Deron McKinney has, an, uh, has a good shot playing. Uh, 5'10", I believe he's up to 190 pounds now. Cornerback, very smart football player, very good football player, uh, fast. And again, I think he's a guy that has a bright future in Iowa City. So those are probably my top three guys, top three, top four guys you want to keep an eye on. That kind of wraps up for our message board. Let's take to Twitter real quick before we kind of wrap this whole thing up. I just want to get in a mailbag again. Just just kind of focus more on on some of the, the football and basketball aspects of the program rather than what's been going on with the you know racial tension, the allegation with the investigation. I think that at this point it's kind of rehashing things. And I think every new development is incredibly important. And again, at Hawkeye Insider, we are going to be covering every step of that. But I think... I think it's a good thing for people to also just get in some of their sports fill. So let's go on the list. Uh, do you think that if people wore masks to games, signed a waiver, and made them sit a few rows back, could we realistically have fans in games in any sports this year? Yes, I, I do. I think that it takes away the risk of liability as much as they can from the university. I think that you know the University of Iowa could potentially fit fifteen to twenty thousand people. I think it's going to be limited to high donors and in season ticket holders. Uh, there's not going to be any single game tickets sold. This is just a guess. This is just a guess at this point. That's what's going to happen. I still think there's going to be a fall football season. I think that a waiver, mask, and everything is going to need to be required. I think that's ultimately the safest thing to do as well with everything going on. And as long as the university can take the liability off itself and people can practice those habits, I think it's going to work out well. So, yes. Uh, what does Iowa look like without Garza if he does not return? He has not made a decision again August 2nd on that. What's the ceiling for the team without him? Yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark. I think that Iowa is still a fringe top 25 team. I, you still got Jordan Bohan. You have C.J. Frederick, who, again, I think that after next year in 2021, you can you can quote me on this. CJ Frederick will be a top three or top four scorer in the Big Ten Conference. I think he has a skill set. If you say it's healthy, he's got the range, uh, an outstanding shooter, and he's the third or fourth guy right now in the lineup. And he, you know, scoring wise, and he was hurt a little bit last year. But there's guys that are going to be taking his shots, not his shots, but taking shots this year. Uh, that you know, I think in, in the following year that would belong to him. I think I think CJ Frederick is a future. 19 20 point guy that I think will be a potential first or second team multi-year all big 10 guy if he uses all of his eligibility that being said you you return as far as you it's in Iowa Iowa returns most pieces from a very good last year's team with a year of progression and a lot more healthy I think if Jack Nungy can get this confidence back, if he can stay healthy, I think Jack Nungy can be a really good contributor. I think the big X factor if Garza goes it's going to be incoming uh, freshman center, Josh Ogundele. And by the way, I want to give a quick shout out to our own Sean Bach, Hawkeye Insider, for breaking the story that Josh Ogundele will be traveling to the United States sometime within the next few weeks after 
Sean got the chance to catch up with him. Josh has been stuck in London with his family with all this uh, you know, COVID going on, so he has not been able to join the Iowa basketball team, the only member that is not on campus. I think a lot of it's going to rely on Josh. I think Josh is going to be forced into some early action. It'll be interesting to see how his skill set translates to the next level. What kind of shape is he in? Can he learn the offense fast enough? And I think a big thing behind that is, too, if Garza comes back, Josh gets a year to learn under Luca's guidance. And, it, again, if Luca goes, Josh didn't have any time from, to learn from Luca, And I think that would have paid dividends, if granted, had he been allowed to come to the States. So... I think Iowa would be an exceptional three-point shooting team. I think they'd have trouble rebounding. The defense, you know, I think it's always an up-in-the-air thing. I think they'd have a, a fringe top 25 team. I think they could at least win one game in the NCAA tournament. But I think, I think that they are the NCAA, you know, they make the NCAA tournament if Garza does not return. And I will say this, too. There were a couple writers, not, not Iowa writers, but, you know, Twitter likes to disagree. They like, you know, a healthy debate. Luca Garza is the most important player to any team in the country hanging in next season because he takes Iowa from a potential Final Four National Championship caliber team and they go down to, what, you know, seven seed? Seven, eight, nine seed uh, if Garza goes. But Garza returns, I mean, you're talking two or three seed. So I think that's a big deal there. Um, Iowa would still be a very fun team to watch. They'd be a very good team. But obviously Garza takes them just to that next level. Um, and as far as the ceiling, I would say if all things went well, if Garza left, if everything fell into Iowa's favor, nobody got injured, Jack Nunji comes back confident, uh, a sweet 16. I wouldn't expect that, but I'm saying if all the stars align, I think Iowa could be without Garza. Would I pick them? No, I wouldn't. I think that, you know, I think if they won one game in the NCAA tournament, I, I think that that would be a really big deal, and I think that'd be a really good accomplishment for a team. Granted, it's a very talented team, but I just think that that shows, you know, how great Garza is and how important Garza is uh, to Iowa's team next season. So, a couple more questions here: Who is your favorite college-themed Elvis impersonator, and why is it me? Yeah, thanks, Hawkeye Elvis. I should have known you were going to chime in with that. With that being said, Auburn Elvis. I was going to mention him before he'd actually commented. Auburn Elvis is number one. Obviously, obviously, Auburn Elvis is number one. <laughs> but uh, Gunnar Helm and Michael Mislinski both are supposed to announce their decision soon. Where does Iowa stand with them? Yes, Gunnar Helm, tight end, Cherry Creek uh, High School in Colorado. Uh, played high school football one year with current Iowa quarterback, backup quarterback Alex Padilla. Iowa's in his top three, top four. I, wouldn't, I don't think Iowa would be the pick today, but I still think they're in the midst and they could still make up some ground. But as far as Michael Mislinski goes, I did say that. I think that Iowa has a good shot at landing uh, Michael Mislinski. And our last question here before we kind of get closing thoughts and wrap things up. It's from Austin Roberts. I'm mentioning his name because he says I in here. I want to give him the proper context. If I call dibs on national championship if there's no football, is it a legit claim? Austin, absolutely. Ryan Creener taught the world. The, 11th, the unwritten 11th commandment that were on the stone tablets all those years ago. Thou, whoever calls dibs, thou shall be crowned king. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Dibs, the, the, the law of dibs doesn't even need to be written. It's, it's a universal rule that everyone needs to understand. It, it just is what it is. Absolutely dibs count. So 
With that being said, I think I hit most every question. Oh, there's one more. How do you think the Big Ten will handle the Big Ten-only schedule? Will they get creative? Example, Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan all play home-home games. That could be something fun to do and really make the year memorable. That's a really interesting point. I think that, you know, I don't know how fans would feel about playing the same team twice. I think you brought up two tremendous examples. I think Iowa, Wisconsin would love to play each other. Well, at least those two fan bases would. I'm not sure about everyone else because that style of football is not for everybody. I, I'd be all about it. I, I, I love Iowa-Wisconsin matchups. Just the ground and pound in the trenches. Everything's won or lost there. And Ohio State-Michigan, I mean, it's the same winner every year. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> with that being said, no. That, that's an interesting point. If I was commissioner, would I do that? I would consider it. But the only way I feel like you'd be able to get away with that is if it worked for every single team and every Big Ten team had a rival that they hated so much. So I think Iowa-Wisconsin would be one. I mean, you could probably think of three for Iowa. I think Iowa-Nebraska would be another one. Ohio State-Michigan, Penn State-Ohio State. But then you look on the outside, you look at Rutgers, Maryland, you know, the, the newcomers, the Big Ten, that really, I don't want to say don't have a legit rivalry, but haven't, you know, shown great football prowess. I mean, look at Northwest, Northwestern, you could probably find a school. Um, again, with that being said, though, I, I would I would definitely consider it. If you can make all the matchups line up, and the I would do it. But the other part of that, too, is that would, if, if there was a Big Ten championship in this made-up scenario, I think that makes it incredibly difficult and incredibly maybe impossible to pick an actual winner in the division because what happens if they have the tied record and each team wins a game do you go by who you know the winning margin you'd have to make up a whole separate set of factors but again i think that's a really cool i think that'd be a really unique idea i'll say this too i think that the big 10 needs to uh shift around some scheduling for the big 10 only schedule and i'm saying this because Nebraska's final five games are pretty insane. I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but I think in my preseason predictions, I picked them to go maybe one and four at best in their final five games. That's not even an indictment against them. I think they'll be better this year. But man, that schedule's brutal. Then for Iowa to get Penn State and Ohio State back-to-back weeks traveling to Ohio State at Penn State with both of those teams coming off a bye week, Iowa must have done something in the Big Ten office, really, you know, make somebody upset. So, but I think that'd be a really unique idea. And as far as making it memorable, sure. I think if there's no Big Ten championship, I think you could get away with that. But again, I think there's too much money wound up on the line for a potential Big Ten championship in everything else that would potentially happen. So, I think that's good about do it for this episode, guys, of the Swarmcast. Again, David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of the Swarmcast. And again, about a couple hours remaining, our 50% off deal, annual subscription, all the Iowa news, scoop, analysis, and discussion that you crave, all for one low price. So go to HawkeyeInsider.com, check that out. Follow me on Twitter at David Eichel, D-A-V-I-D-E-I-C-K-H-O-L-T. And follow us, Hawkeyes, on 24-7 to keep up with all the latest and greatest Hawkeyes news. Again, we'll be back next week. I'm currently in the process of getting some very memorable Hawkeyes to join me on the next couple episodes of the Swarmcast. So I'm very excited to unveil that. And again, be on the lookout for the Chronicles of Luca Garza. There's going to be two new chapters, quote unquote, released 
over the next week. And we'll be back here next week. We'll see if Sean Bach uh, gets back from his recruiting trip. We'll have him rejoin us. But, again, stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 sports, for all your college football, basketball, and recruiting needs. Until next time, stay safe and take care. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.